Welcome to another episode of Sims Sundays. This is episode 35, and I'm actually very excited about the guest we have today on the show because this is my booking. But Tom, how are you doing today? Doing very well, thank you. And uh, I'm very excited about this episode. Obviously, we've just recorded it, and it was incredibly interesting. We have Ash Vandele, American Motorsport Twitch streamer and creator with BS Competition on the show. This is going to be a very exciting episode, and for once, the American accents are going to be in plethora versus the UK accents. Grr. <laughs> so, enjoy the episode, guys. Yes, yeah, sim racing. So, this, was it this last weekend? My timetable's all messed up, but we just had a pretty major sim racing event on the calendar, ESLR1, yes. and I did actually see you in the chat. I was working that chat so hard. <laughs> you were. And what did you think about the event? Like, did you enjoy it? So from an event perspective, so this is me as a viewer logging into Twitch, right? It's not as a sim racer. It's not the logistics of the event because I know some stuff happened while that I've talked to some folks in there. But as a viewer watching the event and as someone who does events for a living as in their nine to five corporate America job, I think it was pretty cool. <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool. They did a great job. I also come from the Call of Duty world. I, that's where I kind of started watching Twitch and Call of Duty, and they had these huge LAN events, right, for Call of Duty, oh, yeah. and they constantly do that all the time. So seeing that for sim racing, for something I truly enjoy and play all the goddamn time, I was obsessed that they did that and gave it the attention it deserved. Um, and I know it's very hard for sim racing too, right? It's not your rig. You got to ship rigs over. Mm -hmm. it's, it's difficult. So thinking about those logistics how they did it. Um, the commentators did an incredible job keeping the energy up because this was the first time for it. And I thought they did a really good job with the energy wise, introducing people, showing the personalities of the drivers. So we cared a little bit more if someone lost or spun out. Um, yeah, I think overall they did a great job. And they also listened to, I think you noticed Chris feedback and from people in the chat, like someone would be like, oh, we want to hear from Isaac, for example, or we want to hear from so-and-so. And, -so. and then they would go interview him. And then like a couple of seconds. So I thought that was really cool that they listened to the live chat of what we wanted to see and what we wanted to do. So I really enjoyed it um, from I that actually, side. When you refer to them listening to live chat, that's probably one of the most important things for me as a viewer. <clears throat> like I didn't talk at all in the live chat, but I was watching it. And one of the coolest things, like you said, is the fact that they did listen. Because one thing that you get from Call of Duty, because I'm actually a big fan of Call of Duty esports events as well. You never get that. It's basically like watching the NFL or watching football over in your neck of the woods. Like, you're not going to get someone in a live stream chat to say, hey, I want to talk to whoever, and they're going to go do it. It's just not going to happen. So that was a really cool aspect of it. And I actually kind of like the fact that they brought in the rigs, and it wasn't anyone's personal, perfectly set up rig for themselves, because it added a, a level of fairness across the board, I think. That was, okay, nobody's on their, their perfect rig. No one has the better pedals or the better wheel or their perfect setup. So we're right. all kind of on an even playing field. And I did, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Hmm. But for Call of Duty, for example, they do bring like their own mouse and keyboards. So That's I do true. a lot of Warzone watching along when they have those large, large events. You can bring your own mouse and keyboard, which it's like you're just used to that, right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, but sim rigs, right, are a little bit different. But the, right, the logistics behind it of... I guess having only 12, which is why only 12 could race. I don't know if they could not bring more. There was just no room. Mm. But I've always thinking about like land events. In the United States, if we did something similar, just where would we do it? 
space wise that everyone can go to um i think there's a few in the u.s of like sim racing centers maybe two that i'm thinking of off the top of my head uh, but, can you tell me where they are because <laughs> i wish we had more of them i get so jealous when i see uh like mike post a picture of his sim racing place mm -hmm. i'm like i just want one of those here so that not only can i race with people because i can race with people at home but i can go there right. and like hang around and chat sim racing live with other people because that's one thing i guess as sim racers at least i feel a little isolated in my hobby mm -hmm. where almost nobody around me in my immediate area that i can go to dinner with and go hang out with none of them sim race not a single one so going to a center like that would be so amazing just to have the atmosphere like ash you go to a lot of races because mm -hmm. you know i follow you on twitter and you've been You've been to a lot of different things where I'm like, wow, that's really, really cool. She's very lucky. But you get to go there and you get to talk about racing and you get to be around the people who love the same thing you do. Do you feel that you're a little isolated at home or do you have a bunch of people that you can actually, you know, converse with when it comes to sim racing or just motorsport in general? Yeah, it's mostly, like you said, online folks <laughs> that yeah. I can converse with sim racing and just motorsports. Sure, my friends that I see in person will listen to me but um ne at some point i feel bad for them and i'm like all right i need to stop talking about this or <laughs> like was... if you're trying to talk about daytona and you're like yeah this guy is sent it through bus stop and they're like what, what the heck was that <laughs> sentence <laughs> what did you just say those are like all your tiktoks as of late where yeah you're like oh uh i talk about motorsport literally all the time or, right and it's just the big daytona one that gained you a bunch of followers that you posted recently like that's one of the things that I try not to do is is talk to my friends about sim racing all that much because once I get started, it, there's just no ending, none whatsoever. And then I'm pulling up videos and showing them, and I'm like, "Oh, check this out!" I'm like, yeah, that's really fun. I guess so that's cool. cool. I guess. That's really I don't know. When you get a group you. of people in the room, they all talk about the NFL, right? Like when the mm -hmm. NFL was happening, people had their fantasy teams. A group of my friends, would all, whenever we all had dinner together or whatever, they would all start talking about their football players and their teams and who got injured and blah, blah, blah. And then I don't feel bad because I was like, look, if you're going to make me sit through that yeah. of something, like <laughs> I kind of know because I'm American, like American football. I'm aware of how to play the game. I know some of the key players, blah, blah, blah. But like if you're going to make me sit through the analysis and who has the better, this person got a surgery on their tendon and if that happens, you have a 6% chance of not throwing this pass, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. What? If you're going to make me sit through that, yeah. I can talk to you about sim racing a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. When it's draft season for the NFL, right. <laughs> yeah. most of my buddies are football fans. And yeah. uh, Tom is cringing over there as we're calling it football mm. repeatedly. Yes, I know you're not. <laughs> you're like, you play it with your hands. What are you talking about? Football? Hand egg. How dare you? <laughs> Rugby. What? But when it gets to draft season and they're like, oh, did you see him in college three years ago? I'm like, no, right. no, I did not see him at college three years ago. But did you see this last sim racing event? No. Just <laughs> did, you see him, did you see him when he was an F3? It was really good. Right. Like, come on, <laughs> how do you not know that? You know, it's, it is one of those things where you should be allowed to obviously talk about it, but I guess it loses its, what am I trying to say? It loses its uh, passion for you when you're having a conversation with someone who just doesn't know you're like i can tell you're just trying to be nice and that's appreciated but i just want to have people where i can talk about sim racing to a point where they understand it as well it's almost uh you know why tom and i connected so well is because uh he loves sim racing i love sim racing and now we have this podcast where we get to invite people over and talk sim talk racing more about some sim racing. more talk more sim <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, 
One of the things that, uh, that I'm pretty impressed with on your side, Ash, is your ability to create content around sim racing and around mm -hmm. motorsport and all that. And, you know, I'm kind of jealous because Tom knows that I've wanted to be a content creator probably for five, six years now, but I've never really jumped into it all, all in, mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know, you know, you have your job and you have your other yeah. hobbies and things like that. And maybe you have your family. You've really dove in and actually congratulations recently with your BS competition Thank you. where you're part of that team. Now that's, pretty cool and I, I did enjoy the little video of them announcing you on there uh, yeah, with the banana cool. suit and everything although <laughs> you hopefully when you're in the banana suit you do the uh brian dance you know i try my best i try to do the carlton dance too because that's a real hit with the with the stream but no we love the banana <laughs> suit i have like a i have like a closet just full of random stuff for the stream whether it's just that's... like a holiday themed items or you know, I, I treat stream like a kindergarten class where you have to keep it exciting in the background. So you got to decorate it really <laughs> nicely. You got to yeah. just wear the banana suit. You got to keep the attention spans going. And I was like, how can I do that? So talking about the content creator mm -hmm. piece, how long have you been working at it? How long have you been pursuing the content creation side of motorsport and sim racing? That's a great question that no one's ever asked me now that I have to think about it really hard and pause. Ah. Uh, <laughs> I started streaming, my first stream was December 2020, and then I started doing Formula One streams March of 2021, and then I think I grabbed on the F1, the Formula One game a little bit that year, and then eventually jumped into iRacing November of that year. So, yeah, about a year or so. Not that much. Not that long. That's actually, that's very surprising. I thought you were going to say something like 2017 or something crazy. No. Wow, that's that's pretty impressive. Now, when you started... Did you immediately start streaming with uh, sim racing content? Or like for, for me personally, I started with a random video game because I was like, oh mm -hmm. yeah, I want to play games and have people watch me play games. That, that mm -hmm. sounds like fun. And then eventually, you know, that wears off because, you know, you play Call of Duty and you're competing with thousands and thousands of other content creators. Yeah. Did you start with sim racing right off the bat or did you start with something different? No. So I started streaming because it was a goal of my therapist to help manage my anxiety and that I'm pretty open about. So when I first started streaming, I played something that I was super comfortable with and it was Portal. I love oh, that game. I play it like twice game. a year. It's so good. It's just it's so good. And it's just so fun. It's a great puzzle game and I love puzzle games. So I started with Portal and, I, and it takes a while to get used to talking with the camera and then talking to a chat because it's not a conversation. You're not, excuse me, you're not reading any body language that you normally would when you're talking to someone directly or, hey, I should stop talking about this or they're bored. You know, <laughs> you're not reading that or, or someone found that funny because they're laughing. Yeah, you don't hear them laugh or you hope they put an LOL emote or a Keck W in there. Mm -hmm. They find it funny. So it takes a while to get used to it. So I was like, let me just go with something I'm comfortable with. Um, so I was doing Portal and then me and my brother and a group of our friends home from home play Call of Duty together. So I was doing that a little bit um for dance shout out so my goal wasn't really to be popular or make whatever um and then i was like hey i was watching some formula one streams and i was like i think i could do something a little different um the way i look at twitch is each like stream is a bar and each bar has their own theme their own vibe and um you know my bar is going to be a little bit different so i started yeah. doing my f1 watch longs with my best friend sal my brother david because it helps when you have someone just talked about sports for the first time and then I, people just started coming in, and they're like, hey, uh, glad I found you. No one else is doing this that I want to watch, cool. and I, no one else around me is watching Formula One that I can talk to. So it's like an internet chat room where we can just talk about Formula One while we're all watching the race. That's an interesting fact you brought up there is that, like, we're American. <clears throat> so right. 
we have a lot smaller of a group to talk mm-hmm. about Formula One or really racing, unless you're you're wanting NASCAR or Dirt Oval. There's a ton of of basically circle racing all over the America, really. Right. Uh, like I live in Ohio, and within an hour, any direction, I can probably. I know, right? Thank you. <clears throat> I can probably get to four to five I different dirt that. tracks. <laughs> And, and go watch racing, but it's the oval racing, which unfortunately for me, it's still exciting because it's racing and I, and I understand the technicality behind racing in general, but it's just not something that I can sit for hours and hours and be completely entertained on. So I don't really go to the races all that much, but Formula One in America is just not as popular. There's a big giant barrier to entry for us, especially if we want to go to a GP, of course, mm-hmm. uh, I think... The first one in Miami I was going to go to, I was, I planned it, told my wife, I was like, I'm going to the first Miami GP. I'm going to spend a whole weekend there. I'm going alone because I don't want to have to entertain the kids or nothing. I just want to go watch this. And then <clears throat> the tickets were released and it was going to cost me like 10 grand to go to the weekend Jeez. of the Miami GP. And I'm just like, there's absolutely, it's impossible. There's no way I can, I can just right. drop 10 grand on a weekend for myself. That's just... <laughs> not going to happen so there's a big barrier to entry there and you streaming f1 content in america at american times specifically Mm -hmm. because a lot of the time these f1 races are also just the most ridiculous start times on the planet for us yeah think about how the side of this world yeah exactly if you're on the west coast or even further sometimes i mean like australia gets gypped a lot it's just it's just just never good for anyone else besides europeans yeah tom grief (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. We were talking about this before. Can you because, email Sky Sports, please? Yes, yeah, I will us? put in a good word. Because <laughs> the UK is a very small place. So I'll bump into them in the street. But excuse me, Sky Sports. We, we prefer you to move some <laughs> of the races. Well, are you, you, there are going to be three races in the US, right? Very soon. There are. Yeah. We have Vegas now for a long time. I don't know how that uh, they extended the contract already. but That's going to be worse than Miami, us. though. Yeah, that's going to be way worse than Miami. Uh, and I think it's going to be a very a late race for the East Coast, too. Yeah, I th- it's going to be late for the East Coast, even worse for Tom. So he's going to get to experience the F1 woes that we experience basically yeah, it, six times a year. Haha, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But the so there's rumors about the Vegas race because my father lives in Vegas. And okay. uh, <clears throat> so I get a little bit of information about, you know, chit chat around the random news and stuff like that out there. But the Vegas races are said to be purchased up by all of the hotels and the big companies out there. Yes. And then they're going to sell them as packages so that you get the GP weekend plus all the hotel stays and all that stuff. So they're going to jack up the price even more. Mm -hmm. And that's just that's something that Formula One really needs to solve is the barrier to being able to actually go see a race is so high that it makes it kind of disheartening at times to be an F1 fan. Yeah. Especially in the markets where, you know, you don't have a lot of races because you're like, okay, we have three races in America, but there's no possible way I can go to any of them. It's actually probably cheaper for us to fly across and go to like Silverstone or something like that and watch a race over there. Ridiculous. Bear, bear, this would be a very long thought or like train of thought. So bear with me here. So I always complain about also F1 merch, right? Because you can go to a, ba- you can buy a baseball hat, 
for mm-hmm. a baseball team for like what 20 bucks outside yeah. the stadium they're selling them for like 10 right <laughs> like you can mm-hmm. have or after the third or fifth inning depending what stadium it is but usually after the fifth inning you can buy really cheap tickets or even i understand there's more seats but whatever and it keeps like there is a great you can take the whole family for x amount and then mm-hmm. a pretzel and a hot dog depending where you are it's just it just makes sense for it to be an event with the family nascar races are great because you don't even need tickets for the game for the game excuse me for the race you, there's so much activity outside your local track during a race whether you want to bring the family dover does a really good job um local to me so a little biased they do a really good job they have like a brewery come out and they set up like in the grass so if you want to like bring you and your buddies and have a good time and they have screens everywhere and you can watch the race right outside the track so you still hear the cars you don't need tickets if you don't want to sit there mm-hmm. and you can enjoy all the festivities and driver signings and events outside the track like it is an event and I'm always confused that F1 doesn't do that. They're like, you have to come in and buy a ticket. Otherwise, you get none of this. Right. And everyone's like, oh, it's yeah, because they're prestigious. Off. And I was like, they're not prestigious. We're all a bunch of grease monkeys. The greatest marketing <laughs> trick F1 has ever played is pretending they're better than every other, or just like different than every other motorsport. No, you have a garage. You have oil. You have fuel. Everyone gets dirty in there. Like, <laughs> how did you convince all of us that it's like clean and pristine and fancy? No, I bet the guys rather be drinking a Heineken than whatever Ferrari champagne you're having on the podium. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, how did you, how did you do this? <laughs> I, I think We're all just a bunch of motorsport nerds. Well, that, that could be a symptom of the fact that if you look at, like, overhead shots of the paddock during a race, there are far more non-F1 people in that paddock than there are F1 people. Like, the, like the teams mm. and the F1 officials mm. make up, like, a tiny, tiny minority. The rest, it's all media sponsors, like, corporate tickets. It's people that have spent hundreds of thousands yeah. just to, like wander around the grease monkeys as you call them like most that 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 whole culture in the paddock is very very different i've been was fortunate enough last year to do some uh real world racing and the paddock was exactly as you were describing it ash it's like people that are just they're just dirty they're just like cleaning cars changing tires (laughs) like oil everywhere just like nobody cares everyone's just having a great time like i i think f1 is kind of it's kind of like transcended into this 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 whole other this whole other world where like the brand is now something very different, but it's interesting because I wonder if that maybe makes it more relatable as in, I wonder if it was just Greece, like nobody watches like British touring cars in, in the UK, like hardly anyone, like the, like, the tracks are like mm-hmm. half empty. It's on like channel four or five or something on a Sunday, like very few people watch it. I wonder if it's the glamour that is appealing to people. I wonder if it's that combination of like danger speed and glamour Hmm. that makes it work as a spectacle as opposed to a sport i think it's the stories behind it i think f1 has done a good job this is the great marketing as part two is that they've done a good job again i think like i mentioned with sim racing that you care about these teams and these drivers a little bit um i think they can do a better job because america has like big tribalism right like coming from new york city i just hate boston sorry to all your boston listeners i just (laughs) i was born with that and that's what it is like i'm indoctrinated into that chain of thought like Patriots, Bruins, uh, boo, right? Like from New York City, that's what it is. And then other cities have rivalries like that. So I think F1 is growing in that way, but they also do a good job of telling the stories. Like everyone grew up and they're like, oh, I remember this, like when this happened with this person and this driver was fighting this driver. And that's why it's so exciting on the track. And the whole like Lewis Hamilton Max thing for the past couple of years has definitely worked into their mm-hmm. advantage. For example, if, so when Lewis was sweeping it, people were just like, eh, I guess that's cool. Like he's really fast. 
And it's awesome to see that talent, but they can't compare it to anyone else because he mm. was just so far ahead of everyone else. Right. So now that there's like Max up there and Charlotte Claire, and they're like, oh, wow. The fact that Lewis swept up was really impressive, but now these other guys are catching up. We got some drama. Men love drama, and I don't care what anyone says. Sure, you don't like Who art, doesn't? like Real Housewives. You like sports drama, and I understand. <laughs> we, <laughs> so we don't do. lie to yourselves. Well, there's but, also an interesting thing. The spectacle, Drive to Survive, has been looked mm -hmm. upon at, by some diehard F1 fans as like, oh, they're just, they're just making up stories. And yeah, of course they are, because... <laughs> They need to make a show. Yeah. A, I wasn't there. I can't fact check them. It, I guess that's also <laughs> true. But like America does like its drama more yeah. so than a lot of other countries do, especially if you just look at the TV shows that we have. And Drive to Survive, I think, was probably just them trying to get more American viewers involved. Good and question. they made it such a drama so that you could make those mental connections. You can, you can be mm -hmm. like, oh... I don't like Verstappen or, oh, I don't like whoever on the grid. Mm -hmm. And you can really take a stance because you're right. Uh, I mean, we'd like to take a stance and group ourselves in with a certain uh, tribe, I'll, I'll say. Mm -hmm. So making it super dramatic, making up some little fake uh, conflicts here and there on the grid is ultimately good for the mindset of Americans, really. I don't yeah. know. I can't say anything for UK or any European countries, Tom. But like, even when we were over at Sim Racing Expo, Tom, Danny was saying how they have to make Sim Racing Expo bigger if they want to gain the American audience and make it more of a spectacle. And that's an interesting thing to think about because it made me instantly start thinking of Drive to Survive and how they made it a spectacle, even mm -hmm. more so than F1 already is. To appeal to an American audience. So, Ash, have you been to one of the Sim Racing Expos quite yet? Not yet. Not yet. Well, I hear rumors that we are going to get an opportunity here relatively soon for an American side one that we can Wait, actually really? travel to, I'm, I'm hoping. There's been no official announcement, but there's Who been do I email to make sure this happens? I'll be like, I look, know. I will work for free. You need a broadcaster. <laughs> you need someone walking around doing social media. Just yes, please. Please let it happen. <laughs> whatever you need. Take out the trash. I have, I'm not above any job. <laughs> I will do whatever you want. Lady. <laughs> I'll sweep up at night. I'll mop up. I'll clean the sim rigs. Whatever I'm, you want. Oh, that is I'm a job and a half. this happens. But, uh, of course, no confirmation or whatever. There's a desire to bring it over here, but... The interesting thing is they say they have to make it more of a spectacle. Now, if we look at things like the Call of Duty spectacle that, that we mm -hmm. have now, it's almost true. Like, Americans want over the top. And if you, if you look at a football, a proper football game, like a soccer game, mm -hmm. if you look at the way that they handle their events, the World Cup, for instance, they come out, they sing the national anthems, they wave, they play. You watch the NFL Super Bowl this last weekend, just it's an hour's worth of just oh this is the biggest event in the universe everyone pay attention to what we're doing it's entertainment it's, it's we so are much here more. to be entertained if we're going to invest in this and give you all our money because we spent that's all this true. money here we expect this level of stuff and america's so good at that and that's why everyone's like i don't want F, like espn to take f1 i was like if espn took f1 you would have analysts we'd have old drivers talking they do such a good job right they have older football players coming in tony romo was doing like yeah. nfl plays and he was calling plays before they happened and everyone's mm -hmm. like how do you know this <laughs> how do you know that they well, do such a great job that. in american sports to one make it a spectacle <clears throat> get everyone on the same page of understanding so whether you're a veteran fan or a new fan you know exactly what's going on when you're watching yeah 
American mm-hmm. sports. So these commentators do such a good job. And we have so many historical commentators that we know. So, yeah, I'd be obsessed if we just took over. <laughs> There's an actual incident. <laughs> we just took over. Ha-ha, just... F1 is ours now. Hey, you guys remember 1776? We're taking it all back. We're, taking it. <laughs> we're coming over there now, and we're taking ours. But they kind so of have them, inter- Liberty Media is owned by a U.S. company. Liberty Media, right, is, is a U.S. company, is it not? Shh, Tom. Shh. Quiet oh, down. Quiet sorry. But like, but Don't like, let surely, everyone know that. Jesus. I don't, think, I don't think it's a coincidence. I don't think it's a coincidence that Drive to Survive came out after it was taken over by a U.S. company. Yeah. True. Or how the Very social true. media skyrocketed right after Liberal Media because Bernie was like, no, you're not allowed to post anything or do anything on social media. And then they started growing on Twitter, YouTube, and it just kind of exploded. And that was, that was great. I agree. Now, you touched on something very interesting that I'd never really thought about in regards to like the NFL or sports in America. <clears throat> we have sports fans in America that actually have no idea the rules of the sport, right? For instance... Uh, there's so many times in football where me and my wife are watching. She's a she loves football probably even more so than I do, and she's like, "Why did that happen?" And I'm like, "Well, it's it's the rules. This rule, this X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z." And she goes, "That's a rule? Since when?" I'm like, "Since forever." <laughs> but she's she loves football so much without the you know without the complete understanding of it because mm-hmm. football and the commentators and the overall broadcast does such a good job of including her in it that she's a diehard fan yeah now there's something that's happening in i don't know if it's only sim racing but we'll we'll use sim racing as an example where there's almost like this this oh you haven't been in sim racing long enough you don't know what you're talking about and in motorsport in general where it's kind of exclusionary to a certain extent how do you feel do you think we're going the right direction in inclusivity there and pushing out that overall mindset of like, oh, you haven't done this. You're not a real fan. Name every single F1 champion that's ever <laughs> ever won if you're a real fan kind of kind of mindset. Um, I like to think I'm helping because <laughs> I'm very like, <laughs> I don't give a crap. Like, um, and we can all just deal with it, right? Like I, yeah, I think we're slowly getting there. There's always going to be that, I think. And that happens in other sports too, but yeah, yeah, in motorsports, I think is really bad currently because it's it's hitting that crux of new fans, a, a huge wave of new fans getting True. interested and being vocal about it on social media, which is another thing. So I think we're getting there, and there's good for a while. It's going to be very old versus new fans, veteran versus new. But yeah, I think we're getting there, and I think with the help of certain content creators and things like that, saying like, hey, here's the educational content you needed, here's like an inside scoop of stuff like that without any judgment. It's going to be. Um, yeah, it's going to be for everyone who wants to see the behind-the-scenes look and be interested. And to kind of jump in more on that NFL point you made about your wife and, and like, how she might not know the rules, but she's invested in it, mm-hmm. I, I always want to do a video, or Tom might give us some insight, being our resident non-American on this podcast call. Yeah, he's the minority. For one podcast, he's the one I don't like that's this. kind of the outsider over here. <laughs> I'm not used to this. In, in American <laughs> culture, whether it's college, NFL, and even, like, baseball, there's a whole th- – right, football – I saw a bunch of TikToks of women and men setting up their homes for a Super Bowl party. Mm-hmm. We're inviting everyone. We're having we're do, we're doing like a charcuterie football stadium. We're building it out Good of cheese grief. and ham and cr- right. They do all this decor. <laughs> College football tailgating. People have all these themes and stuff like that. It's huge. Like the party before and after. People even go to the game. They have their RV set up. And Imza does that as well. 
Daytona 24, the RV camping spots are sold out before any of the general mission spots because they're camping, they're hanging out, they're having, they have flags up of Porsche, BMW, and they have theme stuff. And it's before games, and then baseball does this as well, before the World Series, you'll see people holding parties of like baseball-shaped random food items. It is a huge get-together that we, we make it a spectacle at our homes, not just if you go to the game. We get special foods, right? You're like, oh, it's the Super Bowl. I'll get nachos today or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you just yeah. make it a thing. There's, like, and, there's, there's the party foods where you go. Yeah. And you're like, okay, we're going to only Get buy some wings. Yeah. And I don't know. That's also a great marketing ploy that America has done. And I don't know how, but that's a great. But True. why does, is that not a thing for Formula One? Why do people not like, I'm inviting all these people. I'm going to have race car shaped food set up. I'm just going to do like Mercedes logo. And I'm, I'm always so interested. Oh, like there's t-shirts that are like, I'm a football mom. There's that, that culture in the United States that we're so proud of our sports and we hold these big parties and everything's a big deal. We make it our personality and then F1 people make it their personality, but just they don't show it except they just talk about it. There's no party. There's no inviting people over and watching the race and holding a big barbecue or tailgate or anything. I just don't know why that's not a thing. It's getting there. It's definitely getting there. In the UK, I would say it's getting there. When I walked through, so I'm from Newcastle, which is up in the Northeast Mm -hmm. of the the UK. And I, when I walk through the streets now, I'm seeing more and more F1 merch that people are wearing. Like people are wearing like Mm -hmm. McLaren stuff and Mercedes, Mercedes hoodies and like Red Bull jackets and the old like retro Ferrari jackets, like the kind of like (laughs) seventies and eighties stuff is, is, you see that quite a lot now. Um, and we have F1 parties. Like sometimes when the race is on on a, on a Sunday, we'll have people come over and we'll have like four or five of us and we'll, we'll watch the race together. But it's, I don't know. I'm not very good at it, if I'm being honest, because I can't multitask. So when the race is on, I need to watch <laughs> the race. Like I'm, I'm looking at like, right, well, how many laps has this pair of soft tires been on? And uh, when, like, mm-hmm. like, is this guy's 1.1 seconds behind? And DRS, the, the DRS is now available after the stage. Like I am properly in it. Like sometimes I even have like my laptop open with the F1 app where you can see all the sector times and stuff. Like, I'm probably nerd out over it. So, like, I, I'm pretty That's rubbish at these, at these parties because I, I have, to, like, a beanbag in my living room and I will I put the beanbag next to the TV so I, like, can't be distracted by anyone. And <laughs> there's, like, people in the possible. background just, like, you know, having fun. And I know with my laptop, like, oh, what's going to happen next? Like, oh, my God, this guy's got... Like, yeah, okay, he's fourth, but actually he's net seventh because he hasn't pitted yet. Like, I don't know, maybe it's... Uh, <laughs> That's a good whereas point, with football, you can, you can You can, like... When the when the ball goes out it's for a three-hour game, <laughs> well, well in, just... in, I was thinking I was thinking of oh, I don't know, I can't even want to call it this soccer. I was thinking about soccer where like the the game is essentially like reset over and over and over again, mm-hmm. right? So when the ball is going in for a throw-in or a goal kick or whatever, the game is reset. Whereas a race never resets unless there's a safety car, but even then there's implications. Like there is no right. score, right? So we, in football. You could be 1-0 up, 2-0 up, 2-1, whatever it is. And that is like set. And if the ball is not in play, then you'll reset at that score. So you don't have to follow the story. Whereas with racing, there is no score. You don't get any points until the end of the race. And so you're continually looking at these like progress bars of all the teams to try and predict who's going to be there. And everything has an effect. And there is no reset button in racing. So I I find that I enjoy it the most when I'm like properly focused on everything. I want to see what's happening everywhere on the on the field which on the field oh my god on the track which, <laughs> which i think you. Which, uh, i don't know <laughs> oh god <laughs> which i think is why i'm a little bit nervous about the idea of more teams coming into f1 because there's actually already quite a lot to like focus on 
as a fan. But then maybe I am not, maybe I'm in a minority. I am not the fan base that they are looking to attract because they've got me right. forever. Like they don't need to do right, anything right, right. to right. like to, to help keep me or attract more people like me. Like that they are looking for more people who be able to watch a race and dip in and out because they're like, you know, going out to the fridge to get beers for people who are coming over or, or getting like the food or whatever it is, like who can then come back in and be like, oh, okay, I get what's happening with the race. Like, I think, I think there is a big difference between football and racing. There, you know, you make an interesting point because <clears throat> take some American sports, baseball and NFL football. Well, that's, you know, <laughs> there's so many media breaks built into the game <laughs> and just breaks in general. Oh my God, imagine the if there was between... an ad break in F1. In there the was in the United States when it first came. What? Yeah. You were pissed. What? Yeah, when it first came <laughs> to ESPN, just... and that's how Mother's Polish brought it out, but there were ad breaks and we all complained about it because it was ridiculous. <laughs> can't do that. No. Absolutely can't do that. That is complete nonsense. But yeah, like the NFL, yeah, each team has three timeouts, but between every single play, there's a big mm-hmm. gap. There's media timeouts where they're like, oh, we have to go to commercial, so everyone just wait. Well, mm-hmm. so the game stops Baseball. for a commercial. Yes, yeah, it's a commercial break. Timeouts. What? Yeah. Commercial I'm timeouts. Learning. Yeah, they do that in hockey too. That is nuts. So a lot of the American sports have all these extra filler segments in there to, I guess, accommodate your party, if you will, or accommodate your attentiveness. I don't. I don't know. It's it's very Imagine just a red flag. Even... <laughs> like we're going to go to a commercial, so we're just going to red flag this yeah, race. Everyone catch up each other. <laughs> everyone so just get I into the pits. I hate going. <laughs> I hate going to NFL games because. When you're watching it on television, you don't realize how often that you take advantage of those media breaks and you like go to the bathroom, get a get a refill of your drink, get more food, whatever it may be. But when you're at the actual game in the actual stadium, you're like, why are they not doing anything? Oh, because we're on a commercial break. This is dumb. What is happening here? (laughs) So that's interesting because Formula One, like you said, Tom, zero breaks. There is no time where you're just like not paying attention to the action because nothing's happening. You're it, it, always paying attention. It, just just like on that point, even like, do you remember Spa, was it last year or the year before it was completely washed out? And for we were just hours, yeah. We yeah. were just like watching the TV. We were just watching like a wet pit lane for like four hours. And the commentators yep. were just like, so it's still raining uh, and therefore it's <laughs> still mm-hmm. wet and therefore there's still no racing. And basically just iterations of those three points just for like four hours, like, not a single outbreak. Like we just watched the rain for like four hours, and we <laughs> I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I was happy. I was happy with that. <laughs> Tom does bring a good point about. Um, so there's so much to capture in motorsports. When I when a new fan turns on a game of baseball, it is one two zero three zero. This makes sense. This is what's happening. Eventually, in one game, you can probably explain the rules of baseball, football. They four tries make ten yards. They kick this. It's six. These conversion points mean that watching a hockey game. You can explain in one game what's happening. In motorsport, there's no way I'm going to teach everyone the rules of Formula One in one race. And like mm. the strategy, tires, weather, all these variables, aerodynamics. <laughs> yeah. There's no way I can explain to someone who's new. I can, I can help, right? But it'll take a couple races for them to get used to it. And each and race, the pitch changes. Oh, each race, the pit rate right, changes. Like why is this pit lane 21 seconds no, no, sorry, and like, 19, yeah, like... like the length? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, like, the pitch itself, it would be like playing oh, yes. playing football on a different shaped pitch every game. Right. right. And then when you turn on IMSA Endurance Race after 24 hours, they're looking at the screen and the score, and they're like, who's actually first? Well, he's first in his oh. class. And they're like, what do you mean class? And I was like, well, there's, like, 
five classes, different cars, LMDH. What does that stand for? Le Mans Daytona Hybrid. What's Le Mans? What's Daytona? Why is it a hybrid? And you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. Where'd I, like, why is it GT3? What's this joke about dentists? And you're like, okay, wait a second. <laughs> so I think there's that barrier to entry for new versus old fans. And that's why old fans have such, I, I get the toxic ones are just like, oh, new fans are ruining everything. Because they've done their time learning that. And then a new fan comes ask that question. And they're like, you don't know. No, of course we don't know. <laughs> Try to explain a Lamonte Toda yeah. hybrid to anyone, okay? <laughs> that doesn't know. Well, and we've all started somewhere. But yeah, it's that, right? You have to pay attention during races. You have to understand all these like technicalities, these variables that happen in Formula One, undercut, overcut, etc. And then DRS zones. You can't do that in one race. You can't do that in one sitting. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I love the alternative. You know Go ahead. I was going to say, I love the alternative for the diehard fans being that they have to now put up with new fans. The alternative is that there are new fans, which means one of two, well, it means two things. One is the sport is going to die because there's yeah, no right. new fans. And the second, yeah. it probably means you're really boring. If no one else looks at your sport and thinks it's interesting, <laughs> maybe, maybe you're just a really boring person that doesn't like something, that, that, is, that is spending all their time watching something completely uninteresting because nobody else has seen it and gone, oh, I'm going to dedicate my, my time to this too. Well, see, that's what I was about to say. As an, a veteran fan, as we've been calling them, I guess that's that's what we use. As a veteran fan, wouldn't it be kind of exciting to be able to use your knowledge to teach someone and to also yeah. see their first discovery? Like mm -hmm. their first, they start to love motorsport and then they start to understand it. And just seeing all those like pivotal moments that you got to experience, but now you are helping someone else experience that feeling. Mm -hmm. Like you would think that would be something that a veteran motorsport fan would go i'm gonna teach you and you're gonna love it and it's gonna be amazing and we're gonna go through this journey together here's the kool-aid here's a 24-hour race let's get indoctrinated <laughs> and this will be here <laughs> this will be how we do it you're gonna learn everything <laughs> everything take notes oh man so what do you think that sim racing or motorsport in general should do to build a good well we'll just we'll just go with sim racing just because it's a sim racing sim, podcast sim sure right sim racing that's right. why we're here <laughs> so in sim racing what do you think the next step we just had eslr1 it was a very successful event coming off of two you know mild events we'll just we'll just say that what do you think we need to do in the future to continue growing sim racing in the right trajectory so I think uh, ESL kind of showed this. ESL was for the sim racing community. It was. So I remember someone in chat asking why Crim6 is there. They're like, oh, they should have had Jimmy Broadbent. And I was like, I love Jimmy. Don't get me wrong. He would have bought more sim racing people who already knew about the event. Mm -hmm. They're already watching with or without him, I think. Um, and I think he talked about the event a couple times on a stream. Like he, the sim racing people that he, like he is part of the sim racing community. He would have just bought more sim racing people or people who are already knowing about it or will know about it eventually already to compete in iRacing, ACC, etc. So Crim6, what he did was bring his Call of Duty people in. And then I'm, I'm in the chat and they're like, what's going on? And I was like, wow, let me tell you what's <laughs> happening here. <laughs> you ever heard of Hockenheim? No. Great. Wikipedia it. Real quick. So this is what happens on this corner. <laughs> like, this is what you need to know. You just start indoctrinating people, right? He brought a new audience in, it's whether genius. you agree with it or I, not. I actually had the same thought where I was like, why the hell is he there? And then I was like, wait, it makes sense. Same reason any of the big names that didn't have sim racing teams yeah. before are there grow the audience that's it and it makes sense 
Which is why I like that I, I've added NASCAR and IndyCar watch-alongs to my stream, because I used to just do Formula One, and now right. the F1 people are like, well, I watch you anyway, so let's talk about, let's learn about NASCAR. And I'm like, yeah, welcome. Let's talk about it. And now we just compare and talk about NASCAR point system that I still haven't figured out. Um, I'll be doing math <laughs> forever in my head. But I think they need to just expand their audience, not, not adding people who don't sim race, because um, then you don't have a sim racing competition against the best, but they need to figure out a way to advertise and add personality to, e, to ESL or the sim racing or iRacing needs something that's not just cars. I think a lot of motorsport um, series do this. F1 does a great job of using their drivers as their personalities, and people can connect to it. Have you ever seen Duolingo on Instagram Reels or TikTok, how they're really funny and just, like, aggressively funny, or certain brands have just, like, a spokesperson? M&Ms, right, have the stupid little M&M things. People know that, and they're like, I can – Duolingo is hilarious. I don't even use Duolingo, and I still watch their TikToks. I know about their brand. It's great. They need to add some faces. So ESL needs to – either need someone who is really fun can add that little spin on their instagram on their tiktoks and their social media and people are like this is esl this is the personality they're fun they're different it's not just nice cars panning to the sim rigs Mm, it's like great i can't connect with sim rig that looks cool but i'm not gonna be dedicated to it does that make sense because with sports we do this too we have like athlete like there was a joke on tiktok that sure your girlfriend doesn't watch the nfl but she knows who joe burrows is right like (laughs) it was yes (laughs) We like we we find these personalities in sports, and we need to do that in sim racing. And you need to push those out there more in those stories. So they've done that with Charles Leclerc, Daniel Ricciardo, which mm. is so popular in the United States, yep. Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen. Whether you like them or hate them, you know their personalities, and you're like, I cheer for them. I boo against them. I don't like them. I love them. I'm dedicated here. So we need to figure something like that out in sim racing. I was I thought it was really interesting their choice of presenters for ESL because it it didn't they didn't go for like the glitz and glamour. When I watched the um the final round on Sunday, it was mm-hmm. uh Luke Crane from Actual Vision. So, you know, yeah. founder founder of Actual Vision, he was also at the Sim Racing Expo. He founded the platform like a plat- like a big community league that obviously has done very mm-hmm. well and now he's kind of he's moved into presenter, but he's very much like he personifies community racing. And then you had right. uh, Lewis Beglade, who has done so much of like traditional, like traditional sim racing commentary. Obviously, we had him on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and um, so he was there. And we had uh, George Morgan, who's obviously known mainly for PSGL, um, so uh, commentating for the for the F1 uh, online uh, league with like Jana Watmir. That's kind of how he made his name. So that that kind of like community grassroots level uh, racing community knew him. And then you had gamer muscle like james who is like the most like i i so james he is like the coolest guy ever so i met him i met him in the canadian embassy actually in london for a uh, d-box um yeah i know right random how interesting uh, of a sentence that was <laughs> i met him there so we were both going to this d-box events where they're showing off their uh their like mark five actuators and those we were there with um like a rally driver and we got to go in the rig and stuff and afterwards uh, I was like, what are you doing now? He's like, oh, nothing. I've got a few hours to go. I was like, me too. And he's like, well, why don't I give you a tour of the South Bank? And I was like, okay. So he just gave me like a tour up and down the river, just like commentating essentially on like all the historical significances of all of the like statues That's and cool. stuff on South Bank, which I didn't ask for, but I, I, I enjoyed it nonetheless. So he's like, but he's such a zany guy with so much personality, but I would never in a million years have said that he was Mr. ESL. And then when I saw him, 
interviewing people at ESL, I was like, this is so perfect because they haven't gone for like shiny, glitzy. I mean, sorry, James, I know that. Uh, he he himself calls him Mr. Shiny, uh, but he's referring to his head. Um, but he, you know, he's got so much personality, so much character, and brought so much life to it. I noticed that he was a bit not Marmite in the chat because it wasn't like fifty-fifty. But there are a few people like, who is this guy? Like he, he's very like zany, very wacky. And I, but I thought it was perfect, and I thought it was really interesting to get an insight into ESL's thought process behind how to make sim racing a thing using their broadcast like using their personality like what the decisions that they made in that first mm -hmm. that first round i thought were quite revealing they need to double down on that mm. now he he's now their face of their tiktok he's like this is what's coming up this is what you need to know let's like let's do this let's use him to the full advantage and talk about it and answer people's questions or be on social media being mr mayor about esl and just talking about it yeah i hope they stick with with the I know it sounds rude, but smaller names, like the sim racing names that we know and love. I hey, hope they stick with that, you know? They're bigger in our hearts, okay? We love yeah. these guys. <laughs> it's like, we know all of them. It's so great. When you, like, turn on the stream, I was like, oh, my God, it's, it's Luke. I was watching yeah. a stream last week. <laughs> exactly. When you see in this big esports event, I put air quotes because, you know, it's the first really, I guess, huge esports event, if you really think about it. Um, mm -hmm. Seeing the people that we watch and that we relate to, and Tom and I have had the luxury of being able to interview these people, it's really cool. And it makes it almost makes you feel more included just yep. because of that. Because you don't have to learn a new personality. You're like, oh, I, I enjoy George Morgan. I enjoy Lewis. Like, mm -hmm. this is a great show already because I like the personalities that are sitting there. Now, they could go with an American accent, whether they go with me or you, it doesn't matter. No. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, uh, there's, there's enough room. I There's think. enough room, right? Right. If they come over here, they, they should hire some American accents, right? Heck yeah. <laughs> but uh, speaking of commentary, how did you decide that you wanted to start doing commentary? The first time I ever heard your voice, the American voice of Ash, was on last year's Mind, uh, what was it, at Zando or Zolder? Yeah. yeah. The 23 Hours of Zolder, Jimmy yeah. Broadbent. Yeah. yeah. And, and you messed up a word and said something about your American accent being a problem or whatever yeah, yeah and i was like yes i can i can relate to that perfectly what made you actually decide at, at any point in your career that you were going to be a commentator and you wanted to just talk over the top of motorsport chris you ask these questions as if i have an insightful thought out <laughs> well planned that i've conjured this for the 30 years of my life i <laughs> Woke up super, Jimmy's going to love this if he hears, hears this. I woke up super hungover the day before the Zolder thing, or two days before Zolder. Um, and I was like, oh, I can't go back to sleep. Let me see what's going on, on Twitter. Jimmy just posted that he needs commentators. And then he's like, it's not serious. It's going to be fun. This is for wow. mental health. And I'm huge on mental health. Like, I'm very open about my anxiety, depression, ADHD. And um, we just, he's like, I just need people to help out. And I was like, I can fucking do that. Yeah. <laughs> And so my hungover state, I was like, yeah, I could totally help, right? I do F1 watch logs. I have to have a good time. And I know I've seen his other streams before where there's usually two commentators, so I can be the color commentary and let the serious guys talk about the serious things. Um, <laughs> color so super hungover. Anyway. It was like 4 or 5 a.m. my time because right where Jimmy is, it's normal daylight hours. Sitting on the couch, I was like, yeah, I can definitely help out. Go back to sleep because I need it. Wake up the next morning, Jimmy messaged me, and he's like, hey, yeah, we just need help. This is going to be fun. He's like lighthearted about mental health. We're just going to have a good time. You're in. He's like, this is fine. Thank you so much for helping out. 
And I was like, great. And then I did it. And then people were like, you were funny. Would you like to commentate more? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I would. And there <laughs> this you is go. Great. Plus, it I like starts. working the chat a lot. I think um, it's really important. I think, as you mentioned way earlier, you need to, if Twitch chat is saying something, people are there because they also want attention. Mm-hmm. They want to be heard. They want their opinions heard. They want to know, they want you to know what they said, that it's important, and they, they, you value that they're viewing and what they're saying. So if you mention something from chat or you bring it up or you interview the person that they want to hear, love it. People absolutely want that kind of real-time feedback. So I'm trying to like convince other motorsports commentators, like you got to like throw that in there a little bit. You got to like you know, mention something or a comment. Is it that works watch, for my Twitch? We watch Twitch or mm-hmm. YouTube live streams or whatever we, we choose to be our platform of choice for that kind of content. We watch it because we want to actively interact with what's going on on our screen, right? <clears throat> because if we didn't want to do that, then we would watch normal television or some or youtube a video on demand right right and i've always thought that like the nfl the mlb basically any sport out there they need to start embracing content creators because the way to get some people in would be to let their common let their fanboyism live with the content creator that they love Mm-hmm. And that content creator then is presenting them a new sport. Um, recently, I think it was last year, maybe even the year mm-hmm. before, uh, timetable's all messed up, but Tim the Tatman, I've always been a fan mm-hmm. of his streams, and I always watch Call of Duty over there because, well, Call of Duty streamer. He started doing football games. Yes, right. And I enjoyed watching the football games in that community so much more than watching football games in front of my television in my living room that it completely changed the way that I watched football and I enjoyed it so much more there. So I think what we need is we need Formula One. We need NASCAR. We need all of these bigger motorsports that are looking for new viewership to mm-hmm. embrace content creators. And even though the, the viewership is smaller, I think it's a different market that they're shooting for. Mm-hmm. You're not shooting for the diehard fan. You're not shooting for Tom who wants to sit there with his telemetry <laughs> and pay every little attention to the race you want you want to branch it out and let the people talk about what's happening on the track let let the chat talk about it let the people interact with the streamer the content creator because there is some little bit of me that one time i was mentioned on tim the Tatman's stream at mm-hmm. one of my random comments and you get like that like excited oh, like oh yeah. my God, that's my comment yeah. <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> you want that feeling and i think if we if we embrace content creators a little bit more so like let's say you became the official f1 watch along stream or something like that would a watch be i'm working on it <laughs> that, would, that would be amazing for for well for you obviously but also mm-hmm. for f1 in general because it's it's changing the way viewers are consuming the content and the more important thing is that you're getting more fans consuming the content than doing these big giant network deals with ESPN realistically mm-hmm. like I'll love it if it's on ESPN because it'll be more readily available to me because Sky Sports I'm sure you've experienced it Ash yeah I can't press the red button on my remote as a Sky Glass customer I always I hear that and I can't do it and I always feel left out <laughs> yeah and there's even some stuff because I follow Sky Sports on Twitter where it's just like this content's not available it's blocked in your, in your area. region like what? I'm like I'm in the United States what are you talking about like why are you how dare you off, then don't show it to me. Just remove it from the time. Like, why am I seeing a block of content that I can't see 
Anyways. People are going to comment on you and be like, oh, because you're following them. I was like, no, it says advertisement or promoted tweet, yeah. which means they're promoting the United States because they can do that. Because can, you can put regions. I know how Twitter promotion works. You can just put regions, age groups, and interest. So either they, either they blanketed, targeted all F1 fans, or they specifically picked out United States, where you're like, I still can't watch this. I can't. <laughs> so yeah. why would you push this here? To your awesome. point, Chris. I can't watch the video that you're trying to get me to watch. Yay. All Feels like a poor use now. of marketing spend, that. <laughs> right, right. Let's not allow them to do that on GridFinder. <laughs> Absolutely not. So, Ash, how long have you been sim racing for? Two, a year? Two-ish years? A year? Nice. What a year? Made you, a year sounds right. What made you jump in the rig or on a controller or whatever your first experience was? Tony Cunon. Really? So this is a great story. And I this is also, I think, it, Tony does this well. This is why people give a shit about IndyCar um, from his stream or from the Twitch community. Is because he's that personality and he's so genuinely kind that he doesn't like he doesn't have to be right he can just be his personality and that'd be good enough and i'm like oh what a nice guy but he is also outwardly nice to other people who are into motorsports if you're into motorsports tony Kanan's like cool you're great <laughs> like love this <laughs> thank you for being passionate about it super excited i was playing the f1 game not seriously so you do f1 watch alongs the next national progression is like sure i'll play the f1 game and i was like this is fine it's not, sorry, Formula One. This is not my favorite, but it brings hey. uh, an audience. I'm like, oh, you like the F1 game? I also do F1 watch-alongs, right? It's just, you just bring them in. Tony Kanan comes to my stream one day, and I'm playing American Truck Simulator or European Truck Simulator. I'm playing a truck simulator game. And we don't realize it's the real Tony Kanan. We're like, oh my God, is it you? And he's like, no, I'm just a big fan from Brazil. I'm just like a cab <laughs> driver. And we're like, oh, welcome on in. And we're just like having a chat. And he gifted five subs. And we're like, thank you so much. That's so nice of you. Have a great time on work today. Thinking he's just going to go cab driving. Um, and then I realized it's the real Tony Kanan a couple nights. And I come, go into his chat. I was like, Tony? And he's like, Ash, I had such a good time watching your stream. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then eventually we like, kept chatting on Twitch. And then he goes, hey, you should try iRacing. Here's three months. Oh, wow. If you like it, great. If you don't like it, no problemo. But he was indoctrinating me into the sim racing cult. He might have won me over. And yeah, I've been doing that ever since. And I love it. I really like I really like iRacing. I mean, obviously, I know you can't compare F122 to iRacing, but no, I just like but... it a lot more, and it just makes more sense. And I, I appreciate the sim racing communities or other streamers that I've found. And then, right, like, then you just become friends with Daniel Morad, and then he does, like, community nights with people where you can just jump into open lobbies with Daniel Morad, right, and then race against these incredible people. But, like, any iRating, doesn't matter, race clean, have a good time, right? Yeah. Finding those communities that promote that, where it's like, we don't care how good you are, just have a good time, race clean again, right? Don't hurt anyone on purpose. Just have a good time. Enjoy yourself. Um, it's, uh, it's huge. Um, that's something that in sim racing that I love. <clears throat> so I already yes. mentioned that I really like to watch Tim the Tatman. Mm -hmm. I also watch Doc, but <laughs> I'm never going to play with them, ever. Right. It's just never going to happen. In sim racing... You can you can literally hop into someone's stream. Doesn't really matter how big they are, and all of a sudden they're like, "Oh yeah, join the league, and we're we're having a race later." Yeah, and you're on the track with these people, and it feels like that extra level of inclusive that you really are looking for, especially if you're the type of person that's going to live streams and interacting in chat because mm -hmm. you want to have that community feel, and that's something about sim racing that I've never gotten from any other game genre ever. Because it just feels like you can be a part of it all the time. Now, that said, 
the recent ESL event, I couldn't help but shake, or I couldn't shake the feeling mm -hmm. that since it was an exclusive event, and I understand the esports side of it, and it was also a game that you can't even play yet. Right. I couldn't shake the feeling of exclusiveness, if you will. I it it was weird because I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, I know that the game will be available. I know that for a lot of these people, there are ways that you could race with them, but it felt a little more exclusionary than it normally feels in the sim racing world. So part of me gets a little worried that when doing esports, you are going to get to that certain level where all of a sudden there are, oh, well, you can't race in this series. You can only race in the lower one if you're a normal, a normie, I guess. I'll say. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> do you do you think that esports will change sim racing to be a little bit more separated in its inclusion? Um, I don't think so. I think right now for the exclusivity feeling that we're feeling, I think it's building the hype up for me because I'm like, oh, I'm excited to try this and see if it actually works or how it goes. Yeah. If when like it comes, I'll download it, see how I feel and then go from there. I also think some of these folks are still streamers, right? Like Yuri's a streamer and he holds open yeah. lobbies from time to time. Like you can still jump in their chats though and like play with them. Mm -hmm. So hopefully when Run4 comes out and they have open lobbies, they'll be like, yeah, come with me and I'll tell you exactly like how I won this race or how I lost this race or like we can all crash <laughs> out together. Um, yeah, I think just building that exclusivity now is just building that hype up for the game that's not available and then become right available. But yeah, I think it'll be like iRacing where you can just jump in and then you'll be able to play, interact with the streamer in their chat and then hold open lobbies. I think it'll just be the same. The game's just not fleshed out yet for us normies. Right. And um, just letting people know if you're a NASCAR fan, just NASCAR drivers all over iRacing Oval. It's great. Someone, Joey Stone was playing with like, was racing with William Byron. Like just, he just jumped <laughs> into a lobby. He's like, I need to warm up. And like, there was a NASCAR driver there just <laughs> hanging out, playing, racing trucks. <laughs> I, uh, I recently drank the iRacing Kool-Aid and I'm fully addicted now. Like 100,000% addicted to iRacing. Mm -hmm. I love it because it feels like you will always be competitive. So the, the I rating system, the safety rating system, it always feels like they're trying to make it. It's basically SBMM, which in other right. game genres is hated for some reason. But it always feels like you're going to be competitive and you're going to have a good time. So if you have a couple bad races, you're like, well, my I rating went down, but that's going to make it so that I can feel confident again and win a couple yeah. races. In Rensport, <clears throat> do, do you think that they need to follow the same formula? to keep it uh, the same level of competitiveness? Probably. I think that's what we're... All, I don't. I guess I don't know what it's like in ACC. Is it something similar? Where... Well, ACC has safety ratings and, and ratings and things, but LFM just came out, which is basically the I rating system for ACC, and it, it works fabulously. Now, mm -hmm. ACC does attract... I don't know how to say this without sounding offensive, a different kind of driver. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um just because there is a difference between a retail-based game where you pay the $60 in, in whatever DLCs and you're done versus iRacing where you pay the yearly subscription plus right. all of the extra stuff. So there is a different, uh, there is a different level of, of racecraft that's, that's on ACC than, than there is in, in like an iRacing system. And I just think it's because the rating system and the way that things are done is new. I don't think it's right. inherently a bad thing. I just think it's because it's new. Um, but yeah, they, they do have a similar system. I, th I think it's good for overall sim racing, but uh, Rensport is rumored to go subscription or is it confirmed to go subscription? I can't remember. Do you guys know off the top of your head? I think it's in their betas 
their oh, beta yeah. server that you can join mm. where they were talking about it. But I, uh, I actually think it's going to be free. With well, it's going to be free to start. Yes. So it's going to be like, so I think it's going to be iRacing, but there's going to be a free tier. Right. Okay. Which is that interesting. I wonder now, <clears throat> Ash, how do you feel about subscription based versus retail based? And retail based, of course, I mean like a one time purchase DLC yeah. stuff. It, it just becomes like accessibility. I understand why they do it, but you just want. It's like an accessibility thing, right? How am I going to. I'm already trying to convince if I was a, a kid or if I'm in college, I'm trying to save up, right? And mm -hmm. jump into the sport, right? Because Call of Duty, I can just throw a controller. I'll buy a controller for like X amount of money. My mom's like, great, go play for five hours. You're all set. Right. Like sim racing, right? You don't need a rig. Controller's good. Mm -hmm. But now, if I can buy the game for 60 bucks, can, like, here you go. You're all set. But now I have to buy you a subscription and all these tracks. How much yeah. money am I spending on this? Is it really worth it? You're going to be dedicated to it. Are you going to be playing a lot? Like, all these questions come into play. So, But I understand why they do it, because of the cost. They do the track scans, et cetera. So, like, I get why, but I wish it was just, like, a one-time pay X amount of dollars, here you go. But actually, what would that amount be? It would be like ooh, 15, right, exactly. what would that like £1,500. Because well, I think they have like, a, like an ultimate bundle where you can just pay an amount and then you just get everything forever for free. But I think it's like $1,000. I'm going to have to look this up while you guys chat because I'm fairly sure that exists. <laughs> that, see, I would like it if there was... Um, it altered the iRacing system a little bit because, you, you know, you have oval, you have dirt oval, you have road, and you have dirt mm -hmm. road. Let's say you want to just race road. You could buy a road everything subscription <clears throat> where you pay. Of course, it'd have to be a higher fee than it's paid now, but you just get road, all the cars for road, all the tracks for road, and you pay a subscription for just that. I mm -hmm. feel like the problem for me is where you're paying a subscription and then microtransactions on top of it mm -hmm. feels a little odd. Not necessarily a problem because... Now that I've, like I said, fully drank the iRacing Kool-Aid, now yeah. I'm like, oh, I just love iRacing and whatever, yeah, it's same. fine. Uh, but my son recently told me that he wants to get into sim racing, so I'm like, okay, cool, we're going to get you one of those wheel stands, which I got him a track racer wheel stand. I gave him my old Logitech wheel, and we got him set up. <clears throat> now he goes, what game do you play? Because I want to race against you. And I went, oh, no, I play iRacing. <laughs> and I was like, well... What we're oh, going to do is we're going to get we're going to get a Xbox Live subscription. We're going to play Forza together first. We'll play like Forza Horizon and Forza Motorsport first. Nice. Yeah. To get him into That's it's fun. more of an arcadey style game to kind of get him into there. Forza Motorsport gets into the realm of being, you know, breaking points and a little bit more advanced, but it's not full on iRacing mm -hmm. <clears throat> or ACC or something quite difficult, right? So I'm in the mode now where I'm like, okay, I would love to get him into iRacing, but the subscription and the additional costs are so much that I just, I can't stomach it. Yeah. You know, I've, you spend, if you want to do a brand new series and you have to buy the car and all the tracks for that series, that's, that's a big chunk of change. Plus your $200 a, for two years, I think, subscription fee, you know? So I think me personally i would like it to be one flat rate for subscription no additional transactions on top of it mm -hmm. or only additional transactions to buy the content you want no entry fee if you want. i see what you're saying yeah you know it's the double the double whammy that kind of makes me go why why are they doing that 
and again, right, how do you get more people interested in the sim racing? And they're going to watch this ESL, they're going to watch all these other competitions that hopefully grow out of this and be like, oh, this is great. How much is it to get a wheel yeah. for the first type person? Then it's like, okay, I'll do controller. But then we have that controller versus wheel debate, which gets toxic. Mm. Yeah, it does. So It's like then, the keyboard mouse versus controller in Call of Duty. It's the same exact thing. <laughs> So it's just like, how much is then, but the game alone, to your point, we're like, how much is this game? Like, I got to buy these additional tracks if I want to race with my favorite streamers, et cetera. It just becomes something quite nauseating for someone you know, to stomach. I wonder, I wonder how many people watched ESL because they watched, you know, because mm -hmm. their favorite team started this new thing or their favorite streamer started this new thing. And they instantly went, you know what? I want to get into this. And they searched for Ren Sport and they're like, wait, I can't. This doesn't exist <laughs> just yet for me. <laughs> I wonder how, how often that happened. Interesting. Well, we've taken about an hour of your time at this point. Woo. Woo, woo. Uh, it's been a great interview so far, and uh, I'm sure I could, I could probably talk for another two hours. But uh, I wanted to ask about your, judge, your oh. judging, judging thing that I saw. Oh, I yeah. went on and you did the judging thing. For, uh, mm -hmm. Have we got time? Have we got time? How long is the podcast? Usually. Well, we, we can make it, keep I mean, it around an hour to an hour and 15. I think we've yeah. gone up to an hour and a half at times. Hey, Chris, we make the rules here. <laughs> let's, we do. Let's, <laughs> you can always use it for like later content or like yeah. other stuff. Yeah. But yeah, if you just want to talk about it without recording. I'm interested, <laughs> right? So I've seen your content and I noticed straight away that it's different and it's varied. And a lot of people, I think, who start streaming, they kind of fall into the trap of like, okay, the algorithm wants me to do the same thing every single time so that they, you know, that my viewers who come first time know they're going to like it second time and the algorithm will reward that. So I'm always going to stream the same game at the same time with the same routine, blah, 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 blah. But yours is quite varied. Um, I remember I've been on there once before and you were racing. I've been on another time and you were, you had like a, like a, what's it called? A gavel. And you were looking at crashes, yes. I think, <laughs> from the 24 hours. Was it, was it Daytona? And you were like, it just was. like, yeah, which I was really enjoying. Like Daytona Court. How do you Daytona Court? Court? Daytona Court. Right. So how how do you plan your your content? It, do you kind of you know do you have like a real strategy? Do you kind of like sit down with a whiteboard and think up like creative things to do, or is it kind of community generated ideas? Like how how do you how do you plan out your your creativity? Again, you ask these questions <laughs> as if <laughs> I at some point it's yesterday. I yesterday so a week ago I was like these sim racing. I feel. I'm getting bored. If I am bored, people will know. One, because mm. I'm a terrible, I'm terrible at hiding my facial expressions. My old boss used to call me out all the time. She, he'd be like, "Oh, Ashley didn't like that idea," because <laughs> I, clearly my face would be like, <laughs> uh, "That was a dumb idea from that person." Um, so if I'm bored, it's obviously going to show. So how do I, it's how do I keep myself exciting? Because then I can excite other people and bring them mm -hmm. in with my talking and other things like that. But if I'm bored, I'm going to be like, oh, I hate this. I don't want to do this. I just mm. want to log off and lay on the couch all day. Um, so I remember last week I was saying, oh, sim racing is getting kind of a little stale. These open lobbies. There's no big events coming up just yet. Because my community is a little bit more road-based, even though there was a Daytona 500. So Sebring's coming up. I'll do some content around there eventually. But I was like, oh, let me play. So what I did yesterday is I played Call of Duty with my sim racing wheel. I mapped all the buttons to my sim racing wheel. And I was, my accelerator was the was shooting. My ADS was the brake pedal. And then me walking with the paddles. I like figured it out. And that was hilarious because people, <laughs> it's just me moving around like a bot on my sim racing wheel. I was going to say, we're just looking at the sky a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I killed someone. I had one kill. Nice. Great. But I also did the joke is I left my streaming game as iRacing. 
So people would, because I would be on the bottom of Call of Duty streamers, no. but I would be on the top of iRacing streamers. But I still iRace from time to time. And people would come in and be like, this isn't iRacing. I'd be like, yeah, it is. It's new DLC. They didn't give us rain. <laughs> they gave us this. Imagine I was like, you don't have cost. to file a protest anymore. Yeah. I was like, you don't have to file a protest anymore. You just bring them to the gulag. Like, that's the joke I would make the whole entire time when people came in and be like, this is an iRacing, blah, blah, blah. So it's just like a funny thing that I enjoyed myself that I could, that I, people enjoyed if you still were into sim racing because I was using a wheel and they're like, this is ridiculous. Like, this is hard. <laughs> and the people who like, like Call of Duty or just want a variety of content could watch me struggle. Um, so it's really what I find interesting. Thursday, I'm just going to hang out and build my new rig that I got from Next Level Racing. I got an updated GT, so nice, this will go bye-bye. Nice. And then I will set up my new rig, and we're just going to hang out and chill. Um, and then Sunday will be my Daytona 500 watch along. So it's whatever I feel like doing. <laughs> there is no strategy. There is well, no plan. To be fair, <clears throat> like you were saying, Tom, a lot of streamers, content creators, will get into that mode where they're like, oh, the algorithm. i got to focus on, on the algorithm. Instead of focusing on what they, the content creator wants or the viewer wants, mm-hmm. and you get into this mode where you're like, <clears throat> I, act, I absolutely hate content creation because I have to do this. When there's no rules, there's absolutely no rules. And most of the successful streamers have kind of proven that there really aren't that many rules when it comes to it, as long as you build a community that's there mm-hmm. for you, the creator, and not for obviously there's going to be some people that only watch call of duty or only watch iRacing racing or only watch oval racing or whatever it may be but those aren't your people those aren't the people that you want sticking around in your stream because then you can't do anything else to play so, the contrarian the devil's advocate is it possible that the big streamers you're referring to were only able to do whatever the hell they wanted and not follow the algorithm after they got big and actually, Maybe. they had to do an element of like grinding the algorithm to get big. And once you have a certain like critical mass of followers who are now genuinely coming back for you, at that point, you can do whatever you want. And then it's easy to be like, oh, I just stream whatever I want. It's like, okay, well, you do now because people would log in just because <laughs> enough people get the notification on their phone, which means you trend in the game, which means you go to the top anyway and you get discovered. So I wonder if actually... Yes, all the big streamers can do what they want, but that's because they're big streamers. They're not big streamers because they've always done whatever they want. To what extent do you agree or disagree? I don't know. I think uh, <clears throat> I think there are those streamers that that are only allowed to stream a certain type of thing. But gen- mm-hmm. generically speaking, I typically I typically enjoy the ones that do whatever they want. Like, I enjoy your stream, Ash. I do. And uh, I don't necessarily go to your stream for iRacing or for whatever you're doing. I'm just like, oh, I'm going to watch whatever's happening here. It's almost like mm-hmm. pulling up the guide on on old school TV where you're like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just going to watch this. And whatever happens to be on this channel, I will just continue. HGTV is that thing for me because I'm 40. <laughs> and, like, I guess that's just, like, what I watch now. And it doesn't matter what show's on there. It doesn't matter just who's on it. I just watch HGTV in the background. And for me, a lot of the time, streamers are, are that type of thing where I'm turning on a personality that I enjoy watching. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not fully paying attention to what's going on on the stream. I'm listening and then interacting when something pops pops up that I want right. to participate in, you know. So I, I don't know if it's necessarily uh, because they were smaller. Now content creation is way different than it used to be in the past of course right. now now it's not a game of as long as you're there you will grow it's not like that anymore but uh no i, I don't necessarily think that 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 it's because the big streamers are big that they can do whatever they want 
they're known for certain things. For example, uh, people will come to me for motorsports, right? Yeah. Right. But I will talk motorsports if I'm ever playing another game. Or, like, we'll make motorsport jokes or talk about motorsport news if I'm ever doing variety content just because I want to change it up or do, like, a portal run or something. So, like, when I'm hanging out, like, I'm still building my sim rig on Thursday. I'm not yeah. playing anything, but I'm still building my sim rig so we can talk about sim rigs. We can still talk about coming up Daytona. We can still have a conversation about motorsports that I'm oh, known yeah. for. So th- that was the whole concept of playing Call of Duty with a wheel that sim racers will know how annoying it is to play a game that is not sim racing with a wheel. So that yeah. is entertaining to them. And then people who don't know are like what she's not using a control it's something unique where i'm not using a mouse or a controller i'm using a wheel and it's weird and like what's happening there's a huge audience out there for weird controllers like there's that one girl that plays with a flute oh yeah the guy would play with with bongos yeah someone had like a recorder or like guitar hero is popular i've seen where they were playing two instances of the same game one with a controller and one with like a dance dance revolution mat and i'm like what (laughs) How do you, first off, I'm not good enough at the game to win with a controller, and you're doing it on a controller and a DDR? Man? Okay, next level. Not not for me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, I guess in the end, you still are a motorsport streamer. Right. But you do a bunch of other things to fill in the gaps, which actually probably in the end does keep your audience a little bit more entertained because now they're not so much worried about, oh, she's doing... She's doing the same track, the same car. Because right. you know, GT3 at Spa does get a little exhausting. Just when you're just, when you're just putting down laps, some people will want to watch that because it's like white noise. You just put it in the background and I'll be talking. But some people are like, hey, there's no action. Like You're just doing the same track over and over and over again. Nothing's really changing unless I'm racing. But even then, if it's a 24-hour, 12-hour, you're just zooming in circles. So I understand why sim racing might not be for newer audiences. And that's why sim racing streamers cap at a certain point. Yeah. Because it's just like, it's just the same stuff over and over and over again. Yeah, it really is. It really is. So you got to toss a little bit of variety there. I think, I think that's true. I think that's true with, with literally any content because, um, like Tim the Tatman and Dr. Disrespect are two of my, my Call of Duty streamers that I watch. And I mm. think they do a good job of keeping some variety, but also keeping their base. So they right. play Call of Duty, but Tim the Tatman does chatting. Dr. Disrespect is like old school WWF. Before it was WWE for me, where it's like the ultimate warrior and Hulk Hogan type showmanship. And I just, right. I, I respect the game that he's playing and at the level that he's playing it. Uh, not, not the video game, but like the streaming game where he's made a personality and he's becoming someone else in a way. So I, I guess uh, Tom is out for the count now. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Tom has with left the building. Tom has left the building, but... Uh, Small technical issues. Oh, we, it happens, we have Tom. his mic, though, yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, I don't really have any other questions necessarily. N- nothing that I want to dive into because I'll, I'll hold a bunch of time <laughs> extra over the hour and a half or whatever. But, uh, Ashley, where can people find you? Now, it's pretty pretty easy. You're pretty much Ash Vandalate everywhere yeah right? everywhere yeah there's no underscore or exclamation points just ash vandalay v-a-n-d-e-l-a-y instagram twitter tiktok twitch everywhere yeah <clears throat> um i really enjoy your your tiktok content Thank because you. as much as i try and i try not to pull that app up it's so amusing in those moments where easy. you're bored and you're just like yeah. okay i'll just flick through some content real quick and amuse myself for oh it's been three hours dang it you know 
but uh, well done on the YouTube shorts and, and the, and the TikTok stuff. That. It's very, very amusing. And I'll continue to be one of your viewers in your Twitch streams and all that. But uh, do you have a normal streaming schedule that you kind of stick to or is it kind of random? And as long as they follow you, obviously they can get notifications, but... Yeah, as long as you follow me, you'll get notifications. I do my best to stream Tuesday and Thursday evenings. Um, like around 6.30 p.m. Eastern is my usual time. That might be changing with some stuff coming up, some announcements, but we'll talk about that <laughs> maybe some other time. Yep. And I definitely on race weekends, uh, for Formula One, I stream an hour before race and qualifying start, and NASCAR about half an hour before. So if you're into IndyCar, NASCAR, or Formula One, just, just join the stream during or a little bit before the race, and we'll be there. Well, if you're a fan of racing, interestingly enough, you can become a fan of NASCAR relatively quickly. I had my first ever commentary for a Daytona 500 this Ooh. last weekend, and I had never awesome. done NASCAR stuff ever. Never done oval. I've always been a road guy, GT3 pretty much mm -hmm. exclusively. And then I, I hopped on for Maconi Entertainment's Daytona 500 last week for the Sim Racers for Mental Health stuff and awesome. learned a ton and learned how interesting oval racing can actually be and how how much is involved in it and ultimately ended up becoming a fan so Welcome. if you if you've never if you've never watched oval racing before a good way to start is to start with someone like you who wants to bring some more fans in for sure right and i don't know everything and i think i'm okay i'm okay with that i'm not i always yeah. say on stream i'm not above googling if someone in chat doesn't know we have a few people who work for nascar teams that are in the community they'll wow. answer questions but at some point, I'll just Google your question, and we'll learn yeah. together, and I'll well, send you the source. Like, we can learn together, and that's okay. I've always said there's no shame in not knowing something. Yeah. Ever. So, don't worry about that. But uh, And if you're ever wrong, Twitch chat will definitely correct you. So, there's always that, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. They always have the answers, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> well, Ash, we really appreciate you being on the Thank show. Uh, Tom, me. if you're still there, you there with us? I'm still here. Okay, I'm microphone here. only for Tom at the moment. But uh, Tom, do you have any last questions or anything to say to Ash? No, thank you very much for your time. It has yes. been incredibly interesting, and I have been enjoying the variety that your stream offers. And Appreciate you know what? That. Here's a little. Uh, Tell me. <laughs> a little secret. I have never ever watched a watch along of anything ever. Ooh, interesting. So I might try some F1 watch alongs. Yeah. In fact, I might try some NASCAR watch alongs because I'm also not a NASCAR guy yet. It's, uh, yeah, do that. Because I know yeah. you just mentioned you're into Formula One, like you super watch into it. So for you, maybe a watch long isn't great. A lot of people <laughs> do come to my stream, put me on mute and just chat in the chat, which I appreciate. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're like, I want to watch the race, but I also want to chat with people, but I can't listen to your voice and watch the stream at the same time. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, NASCAR would be great or IndyCar or maybe I'll do an IMSA stream. 12 hours, I'll just sit <laughs> on Twitch. <laughs> But no, we'd love to have you, Tom. And thank you for having me on the podcast. I, I know you guys can invite a lot of guests and a lot of people, so I appreciate you taking the time and having me here. Oh, yeah. We <clears throat> we definitely wanted to get you on the show. So appreciate you saying yes. And maybe we'll have you on the show again after some of these announcements. If I play I my cards right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That'd be cool. Well, thanks a lot, Ash. But uh, that's a wrap for us today. Well, Tom, we just got to speak to Ash Vandalay. That was a fabulous conversation. Anything stand out to you? She was great. She was very expressive. You can see how her like watch alongs and her just chatting streams are so popular because she has just she has so much to say. Um, and she's got some really interesting opinions, but not just interesting opinions. Like she has different like perspectives on like the way that she kind of colors her opinions 
are quite interesting. So it was interesting talking to her about ESL R1 and getting her perspective on it, both as like a sim racer, a streamer, someone who might class themselves as in the industry, but then also from like a casual driver's perspective. Yeah, it's 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 nice to have that infectious personality, especially being the fact that she is a content creator. So I'm sure, I mean, I'm one of her viewers. You sound like you're going to become one of her more frequent viewers. Maybe some NASCAR watch-alongs will get you yeah. being a fan of NASCAR. the American NASCAR racing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was a fabulous episode. And uh, hopefully at some point in the future, we can bring her back on the show. And uh, that'll be when we have ES, uh, is ESL R10? going to be a thing is it, does it just increment <laughs> round well that's we don't have to wait until esl <laughs> r10 let's do esl r2 <laughs> r2 right but uh hope you all enjoyed this episode of sim sundays of course this episode is sponsored by track racer if you're looking to upgrade your rig get off that desk mounted setup go to trackracer.com t-r-a-k no c in track on there and anything you would like to say to the listeners and viewers tom uh nope uh i'm enjoying our new pre-recorded uh format it's nice it's nice that we get to do this little like post-episode reflection it feels like we're we're like live journaling our podcasting journey feels wholesome man yeah it does and it also (laughs) is opening up a lot of doors in the guests that we can have on the show because we are no longer scheduled prohibitive for a lot of these guests being sunday nights only so this is going to be a huge year for sim sundays keep an eye out subscribe on youtube subscribe on anchor or any podcast service that you do prefer we have some big guests in the near near future but that's going to do it for this episode episode number 35 of sim sundays we appreciate you listening watching however you consume the content and we will see you next week goodbye